Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. I'm Victoria Stapleton. I am very pleased to welcome you to this episode of the podcast today because our guest is Kendra Neely. Now, if for no other reason than she hails from my homeland of Oregon, I would be very deeply excited to talk to her. However, she is a really exciting and creative voice in the graphic novel format that we have brought to the Little Brown Books for Young Readers list. I do say pleased and I do say exciting, but her book is a very serious thing and it's even more serious to me personally because I was at home in Oregon when the seeds of this book um, came about. So I think this is going to be a very powerful conversation, a very important conversation, but it will address a book called Numb to This that is about the aftermath of a quite terrible incident. So for our listeners who may be having some reaction to talking about school shootings, we're not really going to talk about that. We're going to talk about art and the power of art and creativity to help us work through big ideas and very big emotions, but just understand that there may be things here that are touched on that can be sensitive to you. So just bear that in mind. Um, Kendra Neely is a debut artist, illustrator, graphic novel, genius. Everybody pay some attention. She is based in Southern Oregon, which is almost the very best place on earth. Super sorry, but I do love the Northern Oregon coastline, the land of my ancestors. Um, she uh, has been doing art for a while, and she was at UCC, which is what named? What is the name of that place? Kendra? Uh, Community College. Umqua Community College. I know it's been a long time since I've been at home, so I always, I don't say Umqua correctly anymore. <laughs> so I always want to say Umqua, and I'm like, no, that's not right. I know that's not right. <laughs> and Numb to This is her first novel, although she's been, as I said, creating, drawing, writing for quite some time. Welcome, Kendra. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, are, are I... You know, from the very beginning, when we first sat in a room, we do this at Wednesday, on Wednesdays at the absurd hour of 9 a.m. to talk about whether we should acquire books or not. This came in, and I had spent the weekend prior reading it, and for a variety of reasons, just found it so deeply powerful and, and amazing. I, I wanted to talk to you first about how you came to the graphic novel format of storytelling, because this is really a, a type of storytelling that is actually both very old, but also very new. So how did you get started in this space? Uh, well, I it took me a while to get to uh, comics and graphic novels as a art form and a storytelling uh, format. Um, it certainly wasn't something that I thought I was going to be doing um, maybe even a year before I joined the sequential art department at Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, and it kind of, it honestly kind of happened by accident. Um, I was at Savannah and it was, I was running out of, um, the basic courses that you can take before you kind of really need to get into your major, um, and able to, uh, to be able to graduate on time. And I had a friend that came over and was just like, Hey, I just, I see your art and I see the stuff that you do online. And I just think that like the sequential art department is kind of, you should maybe check that out. And um, I had no idea what uh, what the Sequential Art Department was and what they did, but I kind of just took a little glance online and was like, okay, this seems 
uh, in the appropriate direction that I would like to go. This is the kind of stuff that I like to engage in. I think that this kind of hits the mark for all of the creative things that I like to do. Um, and and then I joined it. And I I took my first three classes on that first day. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly where I need to be. This is it. I'm going to make it work. I don't know anything about this, but this is this is how it's going to be. I, I enjoyed that answer because in some ways, you know, I've uh, interviewed Ira Marks, uh, and I was going to raffle off a bunch of other graphic novel people that I've interviewed because I have, um, and they, they all talk about a background of reading comics and reading early graphic novels, and I think we're at the point in the development of the art form that we're seeing a lot of young readers have grown up on this in a new way, but there's still room for entry. So your answer says you're never too old. Yeah, really. You're never too old to find out what you like. And I think it's, I think unfortunately sometimes we can get stuck in this idea that you have to go to college with an exact idea of what you want to do to make it work. And it's like, you, if you can, if there's a little bit of room for you to switch around and figure it out, it is worth it to do that. Now, I've heard this term before, and I do know what it means, but for those out there who do not know what this means, sequential art. Sequential art includes stuff like comics, and it's just art that uh, moves in sequence. It's art that goes, you know, one after the other in order to tell a story or uh, show movement. So it's also used in, like, TV production for, um, for animation, uh, the early storyboarding to get kind of uh, that movement and the scenes blocked out is what it's used for as well. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that the, the sequence can be arranged. And some of this is interesting to look at. So man, manga and manhwa, <laughs> two separate things. One is Japanese, one is Korean. Although I just want to say manga, and I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, I want to say that too, but I think that's the Texan-like accent. Kind of coming <laughs> I think that's a fruit, not an art form. Um, but there are different ways of, of organizing these sequences in order to communicate information. One of the things I find intriguing about the, the reinvigoration of this art form is I, as some listeners know, I used to, before I was in children's books, I worked with books printed before 1500 and other forms of communicating information and the intermixing of image and word is actually a very old way of communicating that and co complementing visuals and text is very important. Can you speak a little bit to us about how visual storytelling affects your, I don't want to say verbal, but maybe that's your text-based storytelling? Yeah, I think just written prose is great because words can be so specific. And if you change one word, it can like change the entire meaning of a sentence. But with the visual aspect, you get a lot more of that kind of abstract feeling um, that comes through right away. And I think, especially with a book like this, um, it was really helpful because when we think about processing really complex emotions, those aren't always specific things, and they can kind of change as you uh, as you go through them. So having that visual um, kind of marry the the little bit of specifics helps the reader walk through that change um, in, in a little bit more of a structured way than just drawing, but without the like die hard specifics of just prose. Yeah. 
And I think it allows our brains to process the information at different speeds in a sort of complementary way. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned that a book like this and the powerful emotions, and I think this is where we come to some of the sensitive areas, Numb to This has the subtitle Memoir of a Mass Shooting. And I remember a day at home when I was watching the news that a terrible event had happened in Roseburg, Oregon, where Umpqua Community College is located, and this was in 2015. And we're not going to go into that day, but unfortunately, as an all-too-common occurrence in this country, um, an individual um, was unable to manage their emotions and chose to express themselves with violence. And you were present that day, as among many others, and had a lot of things to, to deal with. I don't know that I think we should talk about this book as bibliotherapy, but surely your background as an artist or your interest in art and storytelling was something that really helped you think about this event in the aftermath in ways that were helpful to you. And can you share with us a little bit the experience of how you were digging as an artist to get that expression, both in text and visually, that felt right to you in terms of this story? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier that, you know, when I was in Savannah, I didn't immediately find my way to the sequential art department. But even in my basic classes, um, I think at least once a semester, I was doing some project that was about my feelings or some kind of processing. Um, but that led to experimenting with a lot of different mediums. So there was um, like sculpture, there were um, paintings and, and things like that too. Um, and a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of construction projects of, of putting things together um, in a more, uh, I guess an artistic way that you would see kind of more like installation art or something at a gallery versus uh, something that was really telling my story. And I think uh, the bibliotherapy comes into play a little bit because I wasn't in therapy at the time. And when I started making um, small comics about very specific short, uh, short feelings um, involving the shooting, that, uh, that helped me start to process those emotions and that kind of really bloomed into a process that was... Uh, was therapeutic and has really given me a, a, a beautiful gift of being in a place mentally that I did not believe possible. Um, so I, <laughs> I want to mention that specifically because it, it really did um, give me a, a new use of my Well, and then in the task of putting the book together, one of the things that struck, I know this is not the case um, throughout the book because the cover is not the inside of the book, but the color palette is very interesting to me. How did you approach color and the, and the colors and the color, I want to say colorways, but that means I've been watching too much QVC, but uh, I know that the color palette communicates a lot of information uh, in the different sequences. So can you share with us a little bit about how you structured that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love, I love working in comics and um, color is something that definitely makes comics uh, stand out on the shelves versus just black and white. Though black and white is a beautiful medium mm -hmm. in itself. Um, but with color, there's also a really wonderful opportunity to use it to tell story um, in a really meaningful way. 
other than just like, here's what this would look like in life. And so when I started the coloring, I was just trying to think of ways to really show more emotion um, outside of what is kind of typically used um, in other comics. And I decided to use kind of this motif of uh, really bright colors and very saturated colors mm -hmm. to show how um, how jarring sensory stuff could feel, um, especially when you're when you have you know PTSD. Sometimes you can switch really rapidly between feeling almost nothing at all to having any emotion at all feel very overwhelming, whether it's happy or sad or or, or whatever. Um, and so I wanted to kind of show the contrast of um, either the world being very uh, overstimulating and then uh, myself being kind of more withdrawn in that situation or myself and the environment being very saturated in those moments of, of uh, crisis or panic um, to show like just how overwhelming it was. I think that's such a great answer because it maps over onto other situations that are not necessarily as traumatic. Um, another, I, I'm thinking about some books that, you know, A Perfect Mistake by Melanie Conklin or some other books where they're strictly prose, but I would think about, oh, I wish I could see this. I wish I could see this motion, but that speaks to how I process information and thinking about young readers encountering this book. Um, how they are able to if engage the different sensory aspects of their experience again processing information and feeling emotion differently mm -hmm. uh, yeah i uh i'm intrigued what are the comics that you have been looking at and have been influencing you because this um, has a very specific that your book has a very specific aesthetic. I know people think no graphic novels look the same. No, they do not. They absolutely <laughs> do not. And this book has a very specific aesthetic. So I'm wondering about some of the visual influences that went into f helping you form this aesthetic. Yeah. Um, well, and I'll say that, like, uh, again, I don't have a ton of experience in comics. So this is really um, a unique book in that the aesthetic is... Um, from very early influences, from my kind of very limited influences. And there were several memoir comics that I uh, really enjoyed. Um, Spinning by Tilly Walden was one that I, um, I, it was one of the first ones that I kind of picked up and really enjoyed and was a gift from a friend. Um, and so actually one of the backslash kind of arts, um, I think it's the author's note, it's done in that um, kind of monotone purple color that's very much inspired, very much by that. <laughs> um, and there were a few other artists um, through school. It's, I think it's kind of an interesting mix between some of the like very traditional artists from uh, some places that you might not kind of expect with the way the first style out, uh, came out, but um, Cliff Chang, uh, also was an artist that I really enjoyed his line work and the way that um, I just felt like his even just his black and white work was very expressive and uh, a few other kind of those early Marvel artists um, even though I don't think the book really looks like <laughs> that, that specific style but it's just like little tidbits here and there and there were a few different comics um, for the coloring that I was really inspired by I think uh, Dudley 
that the West was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved the coloring in that, and there was a bit of inspiration around me too. It's such an interesting thing uh, in graphic novel format. You have done this, that you've done the text, and you've done the line work, and you've done the coloring. And did you do the lettering? I did not do the lettering. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's always interesting. People think of liter as a work of literature or a work of art as this as the product of a single mad genius mind, <laughs> but that is almost never true. No matter how many names or name, names appear on the front of a of a work or do not appear on the front of a book, more often, um, but this book has such a has such a cohesiveness that I think comes from you being most of it, but working with your editor, uh, Andrea Colvin, and uh, designers of, of the graphic novel, what did you learn from that process that helped you refine how you thought about the art and how you thought about the art in relation to it being a memoir? Because as a memoir, you're thinking about yourself as not just this event that triggered the book, but also yourself as an artist and a creator and going forward <laughs> into the world. There's so many layers of being a memoir. <laughs> Yeah, there were so many layers to it, and um, I, I mean, it being my first book, I really, I, I learned so much about the process in general. Um, it was such a joy to to get to work with um, my, I did have a little help on the coloring with uh, Platts from uh, Juan Murillo, I think is how you pronounce his last name, who was actually a person that I met at SCAD, um, and we had, we had a similar friend group, and uh, with, with the team at uh, Little Brown, um, just it was so nice having uh, editors that, you know, I could submit this work and then get back this long list of things of like, here's little, just little ways that you can tweak it just to make it better. It was um, just helping with the coloring, but also with the line art and just making things a little bit more clear. It was, it really was a wonderful kind of just slight refining of what I was doing um, that, that was amazing. How do you think this, act of creation or transformation how has this changed you as a creative and artistic person whether that's in terms of some very concrete skills or your vision of yourself i think it i think the biggest thing is that his it has made me feel more competent and capable than i thought that i was um when i was younger i i mean i liked art but I just never thought that it was a viable career choice, um, really in any way. And so it did take me a very long time to kind of find my way to accepting that this is something that I would love to pursue. Um, and that, that carried into SCAD, which then you know, I was able to, again, kind of slowly work my way over to getting to, to working with uh, graphic novels. But yeah, it, it has really changed uh, my view of myself, and I think specifically the process of this book has, uh, I said earlier, given me a, a new lease on life. It has helped me to express myself and challenge myself in ways that I did not think that I could do. Um, I'm a much more open person. I'm a much more uh, courageous person, I think, because it's Oh, I love that answer. <laughs> I I do. And I know I say a lot of times on the podcast, I love that answer. But that's because I am, I interview only smart, interesting people. 
<laughs> so there's a lot to love in their answers. I know. Um, because, you know, we live in a time where young people, there's a lot of pressures on them. And you're yeah. far younger than I am. I'm like, I'm thinking about, oh, our young people and looking at you. I'm like, mm, okay, you said that to her. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I'm not young, but I was also not born young either. So it's hard for to, to remember that sometimes. But thinking about kids and our schools coming out of something that's not as acutely traumatic, uh, such as what you experienced, but the, the longer form uh, crisis of the pandemic and mm -hmm. how they've been able to talk about it or not talk about it how they've been able to relate to the world and sort of reorient everything around them. I, I think this book actually has a lot to offer to readers who have not been subjected to a traumatic event or a violent event such as you have, but the less, the less obvious traumas, the less obvious silencing <laughs> of voices and and you demonstrating perseverance and uh ingenuity at that i think is quite inspiring thank you i'm not often complimentary so let's just uh, and we are <laughs> going to leave it in the recording we will um so thank you for this book i think you know even i from many from my long the long removed from my youth there were certain incidents and i have to say i hadn't even thought about them in a long in many years and reading this book they came back to me and thinking about, well, how do I speak? Hmm. And how do I create and put positive? I almost said put positivity and then I wanted to smack myself because, you know, it's me and I'm deeply cynical. But you get the idea of just getting up the next day and deciding to say something or draw something uh, is is really great. Thank so you, thank yeah. you for that. Um, I know you've done a lot of interviews about this book over the last several weeks, and I appreciate your time today. Is there something about this book that you wish somebody had asked and that you have not been asked yet? Because mm. you've done a lot of interviews, so I think it's probably been all covered, but there might be one thing that you're just like, you know, I really wish I'd said this. <laughs> oh, gosh. I... <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't think of anything right now, but I bet as soon as we hang up, I'll be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, sure. Yes, of course. Of course you will. Of course you will. Well, uh, Kendra, thank you so much for this. I look forward to your next book. Thank you so much. Well, hopefully I'll be able to get to start working on it very soon. Um, we just moved into a new house, so it's been a little bit crazy lately, but um, I'm glad well, to be getting yes. <laughs> Moving is a, a disruption in creativity. Yes, there we are. Um Gentle listeners out there in the universe, um, it's hard for us to talk about this book because it is very deeply powerful. And whatever your state in life or whatever your history with the world, I think this book, this memoir, has so much to offer. The book is Numb to This, Memoir of a Mass Shooting. It is created by Kendra Neely. And I am probably going to have to go cry a little bit after I hit end on the record because it just, it really, it's really that good. It's really that good. And I don't often say that. Uh, thank you, Kendra, for being with us today. Thank and, you. And thank you all for joining us. This has been the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. We'll see you next time.